I'm going to have you turn to Luke 19, starting in verse 12. And um, we're just going to, we're going to go in really deep, really fast, uh, right into the, um, right into the deep end. And the water's probably cold. So just get ready just to take the plunge. We're just, uh, we're, we're already warmed up. We're focused. So let's just get right into it. Um, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified just because I feel like it really pulls out uh, a lot more of, um, of what Jesus is saying here. You know, the, some of the words in the original Greek Aramaic, you know, the, some of those original words mean entire sentences in English. And so the Amplified does a really good job with that. So it says, so he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom. Everybody say for himself. He obtained it for himself. So, and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus one each, equal to about a hundred days' wages. And he said to them, Do business with this until I return. But his citizens, the residents of his new kingdom, hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to be a king over us. And when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these servants to whom he had given the money be called to him and said, uh, I'm sorry, be called to him that he might find out what business they had done. The first one came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 more minas. You know, that's very interesting. He didn't say, uh, I, I I just saw this. Um, you know, he didn't say, Lord, I made 10 more minus with your minus. He said, your mina made 10 more minus. Anyway, that's a whole other message right there. Um, so, and he said, and he said to him, well done, good servant, because you proved yourself faithful and trustworthy in a very little thing. You shall now have authority over 10 cities in my kingdom. See how that just blew up? He went from 100 days wages to 10 cities in one faithful act. Um, which which says to me that God is not interested in um, slow growth. God isn't interested in just crawling the kingdom along. He's interested in getting the kingdom out there as quickly as he can. And so if he can trust us with more, then more is coming. See, God is leaning in. Um, uh, Sister Cindy and Sister Lovey in the first service had a word at the end of the service, and I was like... That's it. That's where we're, that's what the Holy Spirit is saying, that Jesus is leaning into this thing. He is eager. Miss um, Lovey says she had a vision where uh, Jesus just was just ran into her. Um, and that's what he's he is on the edge of his seat. If you remember the prodigal son and the father looking down the road, even before he showed up. And as soon as he saw, he ran to him. So God is looking to increase. God is leaning into this thing. Jesus is on the edge of his seat. He wants the kingdom to advance. So much so that this man was faithful over a hundred days wages. And he said, I see your faithfulness. Now you're over ten cities. That's a heck of a promotion. And so that's what God is, is up to. And that's what God's, uh, um, what's the word? His, uh, his position is in this thing. Um, so anyway, so let's keep reading. It said, the second one came and said, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you shall take charge over five cities. But then another came to him and said, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid up in a handkerchief for safekeeping. 
Sounds noble. <laughs> right? I was always afraid of you because you are a stern man. You pick up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to the servant, I will judge you and condemn you by your own words, you worthless servant. Did you really know that I was a stern man picking up what I didn't lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not at the very least put my money in a bank? Then on my return, I would have collected it with interest. And he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Um, and they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas already. Jesus explained, I tell you to everyone that to everyone who has, because he valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken, taken away. This morning, I want to talk to you about doing business until he returns. Um, my only real um, experience in investing was uh, when um, <clears throat> I was working at Radio Shack. We didn't have a lot of money, uh, had a lot of kids and not a lot of money. Y'all all know how that is. And so, um, but I was like, I had these big dreams of, you know, investing in the right company. And I've heard people, you know, that invested in Walmart back in the 70s, you know, and now they're sitting pretty, you know. I've heard about all those stories. So I, I, they had just come out with, um, this was, um, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. And they had just come out with where you could do your own investing online. You pick your own companies and all this stuff. And I thought that was a lot of fun. So um, I took a little bit of money. Um, I didn't talk to my wife about it. And I just took a little bit of money. So it's, it's, it's going to end well, right, if you don't. <laughs> and uh, so I took a little bit of money. And um, I was like, Apple is a win-win. You know, there's no way that we can lose with Apple. So put bought some shares with Apple, and the shares were, you know, one share was a lot of money. So um, maybe I got a few shares, you know, and I'm just like, you know, this is going to be good. Well, two things happened uh, very quickly. Um, number one, there was a, a, a company called Penske Auto Group. And uh, Penske Auto Group was, uh, they had a lot of... Um, uh, uh, I think auto shops and things like that, and they did had their hands in a lot of different things. Well, they were going to start manufacturing cars, and they were actually um, set to buy what was it? I think it was Geo. Y'all remember Geos? Geo Metro? Y'all remember those three cylinder cars? Got like seventy miles a gallon and uh, thirty five miles per hour. Um, so anyway, they were going to they were set to buy that. I'm like ground floor. Here we go. So I, I, I didn't have extra money, so I pulled from Apple and put it in that. And the reason I did that is this. That Apple, Steve Jobs, had just introduced the iPad. And when I saw that, you know what I saw? I saw, just like my iPhone 4 in my pocket, which was this big, it was a phone this big that would no longer fit in my pocket, and there was no phone. It was, it was like... What is the point of that? That is a useless piece of equipment. Apple is about to tank. So I pulled from there, put in the other. Um, Penske tanked. Um, and Apple skyrocketed because everything they do is magic, obviously. And they can make a phone this big and take the phone out of it. And it sells like hotcakes. So, uh, so anyway, I figured out really quick that I know nothing about investing. And so I haven't done anything since. 
But here's what I did learn, and I, I still know today, is that I cannot hold tight to an investment and increase it at the same time. I can't, I can't possess and invest at the same time. Do you all understand? It's like if I hold on to what I have, and I come from a, a family where, you know, uh, my parents have, have become independently fairly wealthy just because they've saved. You all have parents like that? They just saved every penny, you know. And, um, and so, but you can possess... But if you invest what you have, then it it uh, then it'll grow. So you can either possess or invest. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about the illusion of possession. A lot of you, you think we all think that we want to own a lot of stuff. We think we want to possess a lot of things. We think we want to, you know, have all of these things. But I'm just going to let you off the hook right now. You don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let the air out of that bubble. Because this morning, I want to throw something out there, and it's going to, it's going to sound wrong, but then I'm, I'm going to explain it. Um, you don't really own anything. I don't own anything. You don't own anything. We don't have anything that we can really say is ours. We, cannot, we can't say that we possess anything, because whatever we earn... Whatever we do with our life and with what we have, it's because we've already been given something to work with. So like in this parable, none of them had a mina. They were given a mina and when they got it, it wasn't theirs. And they invested it and they made more and they were promoted and God, Jesus promoted them and they grew in uh, their influence. They grew in their authority. They grew even in, I know, their salary, everything about their life grew. But it was because everything that they had was invested for the kingdom. So a lot of us, we say, well, I've worked really hard for what I have. And I can actually, I mean, I, I can relate with you on that. Um, I feel like, um, I feel like I've worked really hard. Um, and I know a lot of you say, you know, I, especially some of you who are older, maybe retired and you said everything that I've got, I've worked really hard for. And I do understand that. But can I tell you this, that hard work, we, we call hard work a virtue. We think, we think if somebody works really hard, oh, you know, they're such a hard worker. But let me tell you something. Hard work is not a virtue. Hard work is required in the kingdom. Hard work is not optional. Hard work is what is is what is what happened when the man who had one mina and turned it into ten. It wasn't because he sat on it. It wasn't because he wrapped it in a handkerchief and kept it for safekeeping. It was because he went to work, and he went to work for the kingdom and he invested uh, for the kingdom. So, if we aren't working. And we've got his investment wrapped up in a handkerchief. But can I tell you that we are only stewarding what is his. And you say, you know, no, no, this is. Let, let me tell you something. The breath that you just took to say that sentence belongs to him. You can't make your heart beat. You can't make anything. There's things that are totally out of your control. And those things that are out of your control are the most critical things to your life. It all belongs to him. 
And I want to tell you something. When we come to a place where we realize that everything belongs to Him, you can't imagine the peace that begins to rest on your life. The Word of God says that he, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and He adds no sorrow to it. Yes, He wants us to prosper. But I tell you what, when we feel the minute that we feel like that we're in control and this is ours to win or lose, then we invite stress and anxiety into our life. And I know this, I know that when I get in that place, when I start getting stressed, I have that scripture on my wall. And when I see that, I'm like, I'm not doing this right. I'm not handling this right. And that's when I know that I've got to find a place where I can release it back to him and realize that this is not mine to win or lose. I'm in this for the kingdom. Um, so the, um, what we do with what he's given us to steward, it grows us and it proves us. I want to break that down just a little bit. So, um, like I said, uh, our business uh, that we have, it, it, uh, as it uh, changes... Our business changes a lot. And so as our business is changing, what happens is we start, we've starting to do um, fewer jobs, but they're bigger jobs. And when the jobs, the installations are really big, there's so much stress that goes with it because when people pay a certain amount for something, they expect it to be right. They expect it to be perfect. And the people that are in charge of jobs like that and getting those jobs done are really good at getting you to do it perfect. <laughs> and they put they know how to put the pressure on to get it done right because they answer for it. And they're in a higher position. And so learning how to run in those circles, um, it gets super stressful. And I get really, really stressed out to the point that um, the first people that really catch it, I think, are, are the guys that work for me. And uh, I'm, I'm not a confrontational person at all. And so I end up getting to a point of breaking. And this is how I break. I pull out my phone and I start texting people. And, uh, you know, text this long, you know, and another thing. And they're trying to, you know, it pops up three, three, three little dots like they're trying to reply. And like, no, you know, and I, I send them another one, you know, and then they have to read that. And then they go to reply. So, um. I get really nasty. I get really off because I start realizing that I am losing control of this thing. I start realizing that I am not enough. I start realizing that the position that I'm in is way over my head, that I'm drowning in this thing. And I don't I don't know what to do about it. Or actually, I do know what to do about it. But it takes me a long time sometimes to realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not building a reputation here. I'm not building up my own kingdom. God gave us this business. This business, we know that this is God's business. We know that everything that we do is for the kingdom. Why am I getting so anxious and stressed out? You know, if he takes the whole thing away tomorrow, okay, so what? What's, what's, what's next? You know, this is all his. And so we get to this place where we think, that it's all about us. That everything that we have belongs to us. And can I tell you this? This is the this is the honest truth, and you can write this down. That whatever you do to obtain it is what you have to do to sustain it. And if you if God gave it to you because you weren't able to obtain it, then you won't be able to sustain it either. See, whatever we get by the grace of God is sustained by the grace of God. And when the grace of God is taken away from it, you don't have what it takes, and I don't have what it takes. So. Uh, it grows us. So we get under this pressure and we're like, oh, yes, Lord. 
I trust you. And we grow. It's just like when someone's lifting weights, you know, and you see, I've seen these little guys uh, like me. They're like deadlifting like 600 pounds. I'm like, how are you doing that? You know, and it's because they started deadlifting what I deadlift. And then they added a little bit more weight to it. And then they got to where they could deadlift that. And they just kept growing and growing and growing. And every time that you get to a place where you think that I'm good, get ready. Because God's going to slap some more plates on the bar. And then you're going to have to do it again a little try a little bit harder. And so before long, you're going to look around and you're like, how did I get here? It's because of the grace of God, because you learn how to trust him. And then you go from there, build on that foundation and he pulls you into a little bit more. And then you learn how to trust him. See this guy right here, this guy that that increased at 10 minus. I think he just really knew how to trust. I think he really knew how to trust God. And God said, and the, the nobleman said, um, you, you've been faithful with that. I can see how faithful you are. Here's ten cities. Govern these ten cities. We, you know, we don't have to. We, I don't have to increase you a minor at a time. You know, it's like you know we expect him. He did really good. So the no one's going to say, let's try ten minus this time, or let's try you know even a hundred minus maybe. No, he took him from a hundred days' wages to over ten cities. It was. It would be like. Um, all, it would be like all of South Arkansas, basically. You know, he was faithful with 100 days wages, and now he's over South Arkansas. I mean, that's the way this happened. So, um, but here's what happened. Oh, okay, let me, let me back up. I'm sorry. So it grows us. But it also proves us. Everything, every time that we come to a position in a place where we begin to trust God with, more, with what he's blessed us and what he's given us, uh, invested in us, every time that we come to a place where we trust him with that, it's a landmark in our life. It proves us. It qualifies us. See, here's the thing. Your ability doesn't qualify you. Your talent doesn't qualify you. Even your experience doesn't qualify you. What qualifies you is your level of trust. When you begin to trust God, and He sees that He can trust you, then it's a landmark and it proves you. And you're ready for the next thing. So, um, increase, increase stretches us, and it also proves and qualifies us. So here's the thing, though. The people saw the king give the one mina, the guy that stored it up in the handkerchief. He gave that one mina to uh, the guy that had ten, and they were they were um, they were jealous. They said, "That's not fair." It's not fair that he's increasing. He already has increased. He had already, and we're not going to get into uh, uh, politics and, and, and socialism and the danger of socialism and all that. But this is actually what's going on here. These people feel like, it's like he already has something. He's already got 10. You shouldn't take from him and give to him. And here's the thing. It wasn't his mina, that, that's 10 minas that he, that he earned. Those weren't his minas. The mina that was taken from the guy and given to him wasn't his mina. The 10 cities he was put over weren't his cities. So all of this jealousy and bickering and stuff that we have in the church where you see someone increasing, like, what about me? What about me? Guys, we've got to come to a place where when, when the nobleman looks, when Jesus looks at the situation, he said, there's somebody faithful. I'm going to put him over these 10 cities. Everybody in those 10 cities is blessed. Everybody in that 10 cities is blessed because, because Jesus looked and he said, this is the way we're going to set this thing up. Everybody in the kingdom is blessed. 
everybody in the kingdom is blessed because of the decisions that Jesus makes and, and the positions that that, uh, that people are in. So we, we look around and we we we, uh, we always look at things and we say, that's not fair. And that's what's right. I mean, you want to talk about what's wrong with America? What's wrong with America? It, one of the things that's wrong with America is is we look around and we say, that's not fair. That's not fair. And I'll tell you what, the guy that took the one minus, he increased it to 10 minus. He wasn't sitting around saying that's not fair. He was working. He was out there growing the kingdom. So anyway, total sidetrack. So, um, so the people saw the king. They said, that's not fair, but it wasn't his. None of it was his. Um, and that's, I think that's something that he realized uh, early in this game, that I am here to please Jesus. I am here to gain for Jesus and for the kingdom. So, we have to realize that, that it's all His. And whatever we have, because we worked hard for it, is just an increase of what He's already entrusted to you. So, what if you want to claim it all as yours? Well, there were ten entrusted. And, and, we, and I never noticed this. I, I've, read, I've read this before. But there were actually ten servants that were entrusted with one mina each. And He only talks about the three until He gets to the end. And this, so if we break it down... One-tenth of, and by the way, let's establish that these are his servants, and so it's believers. It's the church. He entrusted this to his servants. He entrusted this to his church. One-tenth of the church did really, really good. One-tenth of the church did pretty good. One-tenth of the church didn't do nothing. Seven-tenths of the church saw another fate. Seven-tenths of the church, it doesn't even talk about until it gets to the end. And I will just say that those people uh, that didn't want him to be king, that maybe put the mine in their pocket, maybe went and spent it, maybe consumed it on themselves, whatever they did with it, they didn't do anything with it. They didn't even put it away for safekeeping. So obviously they didn't even have it when he got back. Those people weren't around to enjoy his reign. We'll just put it like that. So faithfulness is critical. Hard work is necessary. And, um, but I want to tell you something. that This parable has is, is got to be about more than money because the context of this parable is this. Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and uh, the people thought that he was going to come into Jerusalem and set up his kingdom and rule and reign right then. And so it said to help them, ex- uh, to help them understand, he explained everything with this parable. So he told this parable. So this parable is at a, an ex- was told at an extremely critical time in Jesus' ministry. This is right before he came into Jerusalem, right before Easter. He told this parable. One of the, it was the last parable that we know that he, that he even told. And so we can't just read over this and say, yeah, that's all about money. It's got to be more than that. There's got to be more to it because I don't think he would have taken an opportunity just to talk about money. Um, right before he was crucified. Right before he fulfilled his entire purpose on the earth. We have to pay close attention to this parable because of the context and because of the time frame in which that, it, that he told it. So, people thought that he was going to Jerusalem to set up his reign, or to set up his kingdom. But what they didn't understand is that he intended to invest his kingdom in them. 
They thought he was going to come and do everything for them. They thought he was going to come and he was going to set up his throne. He was going to defeat the Romans. He was going to do this. He was going to do that. And he was going to do all these things through supernatural power and everything. And everybody was just going to in, just enjoy and, and, you know, and just be a part and just watch him do everything. And that wasn't his, his motive all along. The whole reason that he was here, the whole the whole motive of his ministry was to invest the kingdom in his servants. To be able to invest in the church to set up the kingdom. And to increase the kingdom. And that's where we are today. Here we are over 2,000 years after this parable. And we are in the heat of, 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 of history. We're in the heat of, of what... He wants to do in the span of history. And we are, we have been entrusted with more than anyone else ever has in the kingdom. Jesus didn't, you know, we always say that um, Jesus gave up his life. I think that's probably not the right way to say that. We say on Easter, Jesus gave up his life because he didn't give up his life. He gave you his life. We say that Jesus gave up his life on the cross and he didn't give up nothing. He invested his life in you. The life of Jesus, you know, we talked about Pastor Cricket's fixing to start next week. He's, he's really pushing into the Holy Spirit. So I just thought this was a great uh, way to annex from Easter into the Holy Spirit, into talking about the Holy Spirit. Because uh, Jesus, the life of Jesus is invested into you not by the Holy Spirit. Or at, is, is, it's, it's not like Jesus left, and now there's this different person of the Holy Spirit that's here that we've got to get to know. Listen, Jesus' life is the Holy Spirit. They are one. Jesus Died, died on the cross. He was buried. He, he was raised from the dead. He went back to the Father. But he said, I'm going to send. Actually, my life back to be invested in you. There's God the Creator. There was Jesus the Son. And then there's the Holy Spirit, which is God invested in you. For the, for the furtherance of the kingdom. So... The life of the Holy. You know, we sing this song. Y'all know, y'all know this song. Lord, I lift your name on high. You know, we sing. So the catch, there's a real. I mean, it's a catchy song. It's really cool because it's like it take, goes through the whole sequence. Everything is it. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. And it says from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. And then it stops. Lord, I lift your name on high. And you're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. Y'all, y'all seen the bumper stickers even, you know, it has the, the cross, the tomb, you know, and then an arrow going up and then an arrow coming down. You know, there's, it's, it's real catchy. But I would like to change that last line. Instead of uh, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your arm. Maybe it should say, then he came to live inside because that rhymes, right? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. That's kind of cheesy. It doesn't sound right, but it's the truth. That's the end of that song. The end of that song is that then he came and was invested inside you. That was the point all along 
Why did you die? Jesus, why did you go to the cross? Why all these things? Why did you come to the earth? Why did you? It's so that he could be in you. That's the motive of heaven is that the kingdom is invested in you. That's why he created you at the beginning. That's why he created mankind at the beginning. He wants to not just live in you. He wants to be invested in you. He wants the kingdom to come through you and be increased by you. Because of his investment in you. Uh, John sixteen 14. I'm going to read that out of the Passion Translation. It says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me on the earth. For he will receive from me what is mine. And reveal it to you. We're talking about investments here. We're talking about how heaven invests. It says, He will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while, you will see me in a new way. God invested in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It says that when he was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit filled him without measure. When God invested in Jesus, it was by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus multiplied God's investment through obedience. He was faithful, the Bible says, to what he was called to do. Jesus invested those dividends in us by that same Holy Spirit. What God entrusted to Jesus, Jesus entrusted to us. And it all came by the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit important? If you cut off, the, cut the Holy Spirit out of the equation, then you cut out your connection to what God is trying to do. The Holy Spirit is the common denominator between why G, how Jesus came and had everything and was fully God. And then why, how Jesus died and was buried and rose again and then entrusted that same Holy Spirit and everything in the kingdom to us. That whole supply line gets cut off if you take the Holy Spirit out of the equation. The Holy Spirit is the common denominator throughout the whole thing. So God invested in Jesus Jesus invested in us. John, um, um, John 14, 12 says this. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You see the increase? Do you see how God wants... God wants the kingdom to increase. That was the plan. That's why the, the, that's why that he invested in Jesus to be here, to invest into us by the Holy Spirit. That's the whole purpose of everything, is every time it's transferred, it's increased. Every time it's invested, then it blows up and it increases. So investments are intended to increase. You know, if an investment doesn't increase, you call that a bad investment. So let me ask you, and let's be really truthful with ourselves: Is the kingdom increasing through us? Is the kingdom advancing in us and through us? Because I don't want to stand before Jesus at the end and him say, well, that was a bad investment. (laughs) You know, wouldn't that be awful for Jesus to stand there and be like, "Mm, that was a bad investment. Man, 
We all want to hear the well done, that good and faithful servant. What is he saying? Yeah, you really lived righteously. You really whatever, whatever. No, what he's saying is you took what I invested in you and you increased it. Well done. See, that's the reason that he told this parable right before he went to the cross, because it's critical that we understand that whatever he's given us is an investment. And we as the church, I mean, the Western church, you know, everything that we have, we think is for consumption. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's going to, you know, um, I, I, I get a raise. OK, well, that's going to be a, a new car payment or yeah, that's going to be this. and That's going to be that, you know, and we think about ways that we can consume everything that comes into our life. And can I tell you something that if that is our first priority is to increase our personal life and increase everything about just our, our, our personal life, then we have missed the boat. And I'm telling you, you're never going to be fulfilled. And you're, you're never going. But can I tell you something? If your first priority is the kingdom, he said, get this. We just we just talked about this in tithe, when, during the tithes and offering. But everything that we entrust to him. So we get paid and we say, first 10 percent, that's tithe. That belongs to God. He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing you can't contain. Amen. That's not just a money thing. Everything that you Say, attribute to the kingdom. And you say, this is an investment from the kingdom. I'm going to be faithful with this. See, the guy that, let me tell you something about the, the guy that he took the one miner and he got ten. You say, well, you just said that the, that miner wasn't his. The ten miners weren't his. The cities that he was over, ten cities, those weren't his either. Yeah, but have you ever seen somebody that's, that would be ruling over ten cities and a governor over ten cities drive an old beater car? Have you ever seen somebody that is put in a high position of authority that wasn't, uh, didn't have everything that they needed? That wasn't dressed pretty sharp? Now, I'm not saying that's what it's about, but I'm just saying God takes care of you when you put the kingdom first. When you put the kingdom first and you say everything that I have is an investment for the kingdom, you cannot take care of the kingdom without God taking care of you. So... Investments are intended to increase. Everything that you invest for the kingdom is going to have a high yield. You say, well, what if I, what if I, what if like, like the guy that hid the, hit the mine in the handkerchief, you say, well, uh, what if I invest this and it flops? What if I invest it in Penske and I should have invested in Apple? You know, what if I do that and it doesn't work out or whatever? Everything that you invest in the kingdom will increase. The Holy Spirit will make sure of it. And when you say, when you feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to uh, begin to tithe. I want you to begin uh, to when, when someone comes through, they need something. Even if, it, if it's a sacrifice. I want, anytime that you follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and you're investing into the kingdom. Everything increases in your life. That's faithfulness. You can't lose. When you are fully invested in the kingdom of God, you cannot lose. After Easter, um, Pastor Cricket's message was on the Holy Spirit this Easter. And uh, so he's really kicked it off uh, from the beginning. But uh, So ever since then, I've been reading the book of Acts. And uh, I've just been uh, going through. And, and I started out reading it just to, to read about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. And, and you know, and kind of reading through that. I, I kept going, though. I kept reading past Pentecost. I kept reading about the early church. And Peter. And Stephen. 
and all everything that happened and transpired after the Holy Spirit came. And can I tell you something that I have found is that when the Holy Spirit came, the apostles went all in. They were fully invested. There was nothing. In fact, everybody in the church was. Everybody in the church, whatever they had, they, they, they brought it to the church. And we say, well, that's a little extreme. Can I tell you something? The church exploded. The church exploded because the kingdom was invested in them and they began to increase it. They began to walk it out. And so um, the church exploded. So it's not just about money because, you know, God doesn't even need money. So what is, the, what is God's currency? What is the currency of heaven? What is the currency that God recognizes? What are cities full of? You see, it started out with 100 days wages. And the reason it says 100 days wages because it wasn't about the money. It was about the 100 days that it took to make the money. See, what Jesus laid out, is, he said, it, took them, it, t- it takes 100 days to make this much money. I'm going to invest that 100 days wages in you. But what they were put in charge over were cities. And cities are full of people. So what is the currency of heaven? The currency of heaven is souls. The, the currency you've been given to work with and what's been invested with you is time. Resources, all of these things. But it's mostly time. The time that you have on this earth is God's investment of the kingdom in you. Every breath that we take is the kingdom's the investment of the kingdom in us. But what he wants us to actually bring back to him is souls. Souls are is the currency of heaven. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower you to just live your life. And that's the, that's our western church theology. More of this, more of that. Healthier, wealthier, you know. But the Holy Spirit isn't just to empower you to live your life. And yes, you, you will be blessed. Yes, you will be healthy. All of those promises. We don't take away from any of those promises that are in the, in the Word of God. But it's not just that. He also empowers you not just to live your life, but He empowers you to give your life. Say, I don't know if I can afford to give. I don't know if I've got time to give. I don't know if I have all this thing. He empowers you to both live and to give. You are heaven's investment. So we see, number one, the kingdom was invested in Jesus. Number two, he invested himself. And we are the dividends of that investment. And that kingdom is now invested in you here in the year 2021. That kingdom has been invested in you and your life. Every hundred days that you spend on this planet, that's an investment now in you. And when you invest yourself in souls. You think that you think that they were over ten cities and sit back and just live their life and barked orders? No, they had influence. They they went to, they had to really go to work when they were over those ten cities. They invested themselves in the inhabitants of those ten cities. See that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for us to make the connection that he wants souls. He wants 
the kingdom of God to come to earth. And what does that look like? That looks like people coming to him. That looks like souls won for the kingdom. So he invested himself. We are as dividends and that kingdom is now invested in you. When you invest yourself, the kingdom increases. They were given minus first, cities next. What is, what if, you know, what has he given to you that seems so small? What has he given you that seems like this is just my life? Nothing special. He wants each person in here to lead cities to Christ. He has no reason or motive otherwise. I mean, what, what does it, what advantage is it to God for you and me to live our life without increasing the kingdom? How fast can he increase the kingdom? I don't know. You tell me. How fast can he increase the kingdom through you? So, invest your life. Reap souls. So five years ago, um, there was someone that uh, came up to Leah and I. We went down in an altar call and um, someone came up to us and they began to prophesy over us. And we were youth pastors then. And um, they came up to us and they said... uh, I see you leading thousands of teenagers. I see you walking and thousands of teenagers behind you. And uh, that was a little intimidating because we were kind of done with youth ministry. How many of y'all can relate to that? It's like, I'm done with teenagers. Um, So, um, but when that's fulfilled, not if, but when that's fulfilled, I'm going to tell you, God's already told me how how that's going to happen. So when that is fulfilled, it won't be because we were such awesome youth pastors, because I wasn't, I mean, I'm sorry guys, but I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the teenagers when I was a youth pastor. It was, I was, I was, a lot of times I was filling a slot and that's a real spiritual immaturity on my part, but it's just like, this is what needs to be done in the church. Y'all ever been there? It's like, this isn't my call. This isn't really where I feel called, but this is, this is, this is what needs to be done. So I'm going to do it as good as I can. But I knew I wasn't going to have a thousand kids in a youth group anytime soon. And it wasn't looking too good in the future either. So, um, but when that is fulfilled, it won't be because we were ever awesome, multi-talented youth pastors that were so, um, uh, attractive to teenagers that they just came in by the droves, you know, that's never how we were youth pastors for a long time. So we were youth pastors for a long time, but, um, uh, and we never had that. We never saw that. But they said it was going to happen right at our sunset. They said it was going to happen. They prophesied that over us just as we were just like, we were just thinking about getting out of the youth ministry, you know? And, um, but it's not because, uh, we were these awesome youth pastors that would draw a crowd of thousands, but because we took that one minor and invested it. See, it was a minor. It wasn't like God gave them ten cities and said, here, show me what you can do. He gave them a minor and said, invest this. So we took that minor and we invested it. And God told me pretty recently that that prophecy will be fulfilled because we invested in one teenager. And I already know who it is. Because we invested because we invested in one teenager who will reach thousands. Who will reach thousands. 
and those will reach thousands. And they will all be like cities. When I enter heaven, they come behind me. Because we were faithful with one minor. Because we were faithful to invest what little we had. They'll be the dividends of my investment of that one thing and that one person. You never know. Just invest. Just invest. I don't feel like I'm making a big difference or whatever. You may never know until you get there. And you need to pray and let's have God because I was really discouraged about youth ministry. Listen, let me tell you, I want to tell you my, my, my success story as a youth pastor. We would have a hundred sometimes in our youth services uh, when we first started out. We had, on a regular basis, we had 70 or so. We had small groups every week. We would meet with uh, these small groups and, and really pour into their life. We've had not not our youth group members. We've had our youth leaders. This is the story. These youth group leaders we've had. Um, so we've had an overdose. We've had some that were worship leaders that are now playing in bars and they're out of control in their life. We've had uh, some gunned down by the police. There's just not really anybody left. But there's one guy. There's this one guy that used to play the bass. He's about six foot seven. You didn't see anything else on the stage except that huge guy playing the bass. And he's a men's group leader right now in his church. He leads the men's group. And I, I, I ran into him at a concert in Shreveport. He's taller now than he was then. And um, I ran into him. And he's a strong, I mean, just, I mean, his personality, just a strong man of God. And you just never know. You know, you, 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 don't, you don't make investments and then in the kingdom and then judge the result. You don't. You just let, let Jesus handle. You know, that's, what, that, that's why I get so, when I get stressed out about the business, that's, that's what I have to come to realize is that the result. Hold on. All I am instructed to do to grow the kingdom. All I'm instructed to do is to work. All I'm instructed to do is invest. All I'm instructed to do, if somebody needs Jesus, I share Jesus. All I'm instructed to do is just get by. Even if that I'm investing in all we have to do when we're on the street, you know, we go to uh, Little Rock or somewhere like that and there's somebody on the corner with a sign and we say, well, you know, they look like a, a wino to me. I, I'm not giving them any money or whatever. That's not up to you. Guys, invest in the kingdom. And guys, you think, you think if you invest in somebody Investing a kingdom more than you're investing that two bucks or whatever you're putting in their hand. Just looking at them in the eye and saying, God bless you. You know, or, 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 to say that, that he are fulfilling scripture.